Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Work Matters, where we take some time to interview a member of our church to get to know them a little bit better and to know the work that they are doing. And uh, this month, I am thrilled to have uh, Natalie uh, Giddes. Did I say it right? Thank you. Yeah, close enough. Um, Natalie, uh, who is a recent graduate of, of UNC, and uh, is now pursuing her master's in, in social work. And uh, Natalie has been an instrumental part over the last several months. She and I have been in conversations about uh, adding some more structure and, and plans and some systems in place uh, for our adoption and foster care ministry, something that we as a church have a heart for. And I'm thrilled, Natalie, that you have uh, come up as a person who has uh, the heart and the time and the energy and the, and the capacity uh, to do all of this. So thank you so much. And, and, and thanks for, for taking time to, to being with us today. Thanks for having me, Roddy. Yeah, absolutely. So let's get to know you a little bit. Uh, you and I were chatting just a, a second ago uh, prior to recording, but you grew up here in Chapel Hill, right? You've lived here your whole life. Yes. Yep. Awesome. How did your decision uh, decision to go to UNC? Was that kind of like an easy thing, no brainer for you? Well, when I was growing up, I said that I was going to go to UNC because I didn't know how college admissions worked. Um, and then senior year of high school, UNC was my top school, but I kind of um, assumed that God was going to send me somewhere else because it was a great opportunity. I figured God sending me somewhere besides UNC would have been a great opportunity um, for him to kind of teach me that um, my will is different than his will most mm. of the time. Um, but I uh, got into UNC and uh, just felt a lot of peace being on the campus and felt like um, the Lord was really asking me to be here at UNC. Um, so I was, <laughs> I was thankful that um, the Lord gave me uh, what I desired for so long. Oh, good, good. And uh, you ended up getting a degree in psychology. Why, why did you choose that route? Um, I really wanted to work uh, with individuals with disabilities. Um, and so I was actually, I had a minor in speech pathology okay. or speech and hearing sciences. So I wanted to do speech pathology. Um, we didn't have a major in speech and hearing sciences. Um, and so I figured psychology was, you know, related enough and that would, it would be helpful um, going along with my minor. Okay. And your, uh, your MSW program, uh, tell us about that. How long is that? And uh, what do you hope to do afterwards? Yeah, so my MSW program is a two-year program. So I'm in my first year of the program right now. Um, I have a concentration. Um, my concentration is in direct practice, which basically means that um, rather than working with the systems and policy, I'll work more with individuals and groups. Um, and then I'm class-wise, I'm concentrating um, within child welfare. In regards to what I want to do when I graduate, um, I really don't know. Um, social work was not something I chose whatsoever. Um, when I felt the Lord asking me to do social work, I was really hesitant and did not want to do it whatsoever. Um, and after a really good year or two of wrestling with God, um, in regards to this call, I, uh, finally submitted to that and said, all right, God, fine, I'll do social work. I give in. And, uh, so I really don't know what uh, I want to do when I graduate. Hmm. I think I, um, I'm just going to follow whatever the Lord asked me to do yeah. Um, yeah. with this degree. But I know that you know, he's asking me to do this degree right now. 
Yeah, that's fantastic. And uh, you recently completed a, an internship uh, with an adoption ministry. Uh, t- tell us a little bit about that. How did you get connected to them? Uh, what was that experience like for you? Yeah, so uh, I interned with Lifeline Children's Services for about 15 months um, over the past year. So when I finally accepted the fact that the Lord was asking me to do social work, um, I guess I hadn't fully accepted the fact. And I said, all right, Lord, I'm going to test you a little bit. Uh, I said, I'll, I'll find some internship in orphan care. And if you really want me to do social work as a career, then you need to make that really clear with this internship. Um, and so I was Googling orphan care internships online and um, found Lifeline Children's Services. And I looked at it and I thought, wow, this looks way too good to be true. Um, and Lifeline Children's Services, is, its headquarters are in Birmingham. And uh, one of my campus ministers um, had just moved to Chapel Hill from Birmingham. And so I asked him if he'd heard of Lifeline. And he said, oh, my goodness, they're an absolutely incredible organization. Um, you should definitely apply to intern there. And so I applied and um, COVID did not mess up the internship, but it still happened. Um, and within, a, within the first few minutes of my internship um, at Lifeline, the Lord made it really clear to me um, and just gave me a lot of peace um, with um, his call for me to go forward with social work. Mm. Um, so with Life on Children's Services and my internship there, um, I was, uh, did a remote internship with the Raleigh, North Carolina office. Um, and so Lifeline has a bunch of different programs. Um, their mission statement is to, um, equip the body of Christ to manifest the gospel to vulnerable children. And that looks like international adoption, domestic adoption, foster care, um, family preservation, um, crisis pregnancy counseling, uh, education, uh, educational tutoring, therapy, parent coaching, so many different areas. Um, But the area that I was mainly on was um, I was working with uh, one of the social workers in North Carolina who was walking families through the home study process um, for international and domestic adoption and the uh, post-adoption process of supporting families after they brought home their kids. Okay. Yeah. Is there uh, maybe like one thing you'd share with us that you learned um, during your experience there that you think, wow, this was, this encapsulates the whole 15 months. This made the whole experience worth it. That's a, that's a hard question. Um, all right. That's all right. I, I know. know, I, know yeah. I, put you, I put you on the spot there. I feel like the best way to encapsulate it was it was supposed to be a three month internship and it became a 15 month internship. Okay because I enjoyed it that much. Okay, um, I think it was, it's really beautiful to see um, staff all over the country, actually all over the world, um, who are all followers of Christ, who are all working for the same goal in such a specific way, hmm. um, and who all see God's heart for their vulnerable so clearly in scripture. Um, and for that call, or for God's, call to care for the vulnerable that people have pretty much made their, made their life surrounding that. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. So you and I, we connected, I think for the first time close to a year ago, I believe you reached out to me and uh, we set up a meeting. I think I met with your supervisor at the time. 
as well um, at Lifeline and just to kind of start talking a little bit more about adoption and orphan care uh, and foster care here at the Bible Church. And uh, recently, uh, very exciting, hosted a lunch uh, a few weeks back. Uh, several families came out and participated and a uh, really good response. Uh, share with us a little bit about uh, what you and your team, like what, what you're hoping to develop and, and what you'd love to see happen here at the church. I think I actually approached you right before COVID hit, Gotti. Um, I think at that point I was actually applying for my internship at Lifeline. And I knew that a lot of what Lifeline did was um, working with churches um, to care for the vulnerable. And so I said, hey, Roddy, I'd love to, you know, start um, start an adoption foster care ministry at the church. Uh, maybe after this internship, I'll, I'll have some of the tools to do this. And, you know, then COVID happened and then extended my internship multiple semesters. And so it got a little delayed in that process. Um, but I think I saw... Um, that adoption of Oscar definitely happens at Bible Church a lot and families are really obedient to that call um, but it's not talked about enough and there's not exactly a culture of it at the church even though it happens and so I'm really hoping um, to kind of create a culture of uh, just caring for the vulnerable at the church whether that be families themselves adopting and fostering or um, families who aren't necessarily called to adopt or foster, um, them recognizing that they are called to care for the vulnerable. Um, all of uh, everything that scripture says about caring for the widows and the orphans and the, and the foreigners, it's not, um, those mandates aren't to people who are, aren't only to people who God asked to adopt or foster a child, um, they're to the whole church. And so wanted to, really create an outlet where families who are adopting fostering can be supported, but who families who aren't adopting fostering, they can also uh, be fulfilling this call in scripture um, by supporting families of the church who are adopting and fostering. Mm. So yeah, our, you know, main goal is really to help um, support the families you know, who are adopting fostering and to give the rest of the church an opportunity to support these families. Yeah. Um, so a lot of what that looks is really just community building um, for the families um, who are involved in foster care and adoption, um, giving those parents just time with one another um, so they realize they aren't alone in their struggles. There are other people going through exactly what they're going through um, and a time too for their kids um, to relate to one another um, and relate to other people around them. Um, so what that's looked like so far is we had a lunch last month for families and that was a really, really great time for families. Um, they were able to make a lot of connections and mm. really felt, um, felt a sense of belonging, it seems like. Um, we're also going to work on trying to create a support group for parents um, as well as we're trying to find um, some mentors um, for some foster teens and adopted teens, um, finding families within the church who are willing to watch um, watch a kid for a few hours or a night to give parents a break, um, finding families you know to bring family a meal uh, when they're really struggling or when they get a new foster care placement. Um, 
helping out families with rides and driving kids places, um, really just wrapping around these families um, yeah. and supporting them as you know we should do because they're part of our church. Well, one thing I want to share too with people is uh, if people are interested in adoption um, and if finances are um, a concern is that we do have an adoption fund here at the church. Uh, it is for members. And if you are thinking about adopting or even just foster care and you need some financial support in order to do that, you know, we really think that uh, financial barriers are not should not be a reason for, for these kids not to, to come in to, to good loving homes. And uh, if we can help you with that, please uh, reach out to me directly. I'd love to have a conversation uh, with you about that. Uh, but Natalie, what, what would you say, you know, so somebody is, is considering uh, fostering, they're considering adoption. Um, what, what are some of the first steps that people should take? Um, I think a great first step um, would be emailing me and I can connect you some, to some families at our church um, who are fostering or who have adopted, and you can just learn about their experiences. Um, I can also, you know, recommend some books for you to read to really get more of an idea of what that would look like. Um, and then as well, you know, we as a ministry would love to um, give you guidance in how to choose um, an agency to work for, or what type of adoption or foster care would be best for you and your family. So, you know, we got people very various uh, life stages here at the church, various capacities. If we think about time and think about talent and think about treasure, if we think about those categories, some people will say, Hey, I have more time than, than financial resources, or I have more financial resources than time, or I have more uh, actual capacity to invest uh, and to help make a difference than I have time or than I have resources. Uh, so thinking about those categories, you know, if, if you were to say, um, okay, so if a college student right now is watching this and they are sensing that God is calling them uh, to be invested in some form or fashion, uh, you know, obviously a college student is probably not going to bring a child into their mm -hmm. dorm, right, uh, to, to live with them. And college students tend to not also not have a, a lot of income and a lot of financial resources. Like, like what, what can a college student do uh, to help um, a child or a family uh, in the adoption foster care system? Yeah. So I think one great thing is really praying. Um, if you would like to pray for some of the families at our church, um, contact me and I would love to send you some uh, prayer requests that families have been um, sending me. Um, I think that is such an important thing to do. And prayer really, it doesn't take much time. You pray when you're walking to class, you pray mm -hmm. when you're driving to church in the morning, um, you pray in the morning during your quiet time. Um, I think another really great thing, um, and something that we're really in need of right now, um, is college students and young adults to be, um, mentoring, um, fostered and uh, kids who are in foster care and kids who have been adopted who are at our church. Um, everyone, you know, needs someone to look up to. Um, and, you know, kids really like college students. They think you're really cool. <laughs> and so just, you know, um, taking um, a kid to go see a movie, taking them to go get ice cream. Mm. Um, it's something that's really simple, but that would mean a lot to these kids. Um, and these kids really need, really need some guidance in life, um, really just need 
need more people to wrap around them and support them um, and make them feel like they belong. I'll share a little bit of our story. Um, you know, we adopted um, our third son uh, through Orange County uh, DSS, and uh, we had to go through a course, a class called MAPS that I'm sure you're, you're very familiar with. Um, and it was 10 weeks, uh, three hours every Wednesday night, uh, just the class. And, you know, so by the time we drove out to Hillsborough and got back, we we're really talking about a four hour commitment. Um, and we could not have done that well without a friend of ours uh, here from church, uh, Elsa Marie Mullins, who, when we started talking to her and mentioning to her that we were thinking about doing this, she just immediately said, Oh yeah, I'll come, I'll come watch your, your other boys. And so every Wednesday night she was at our house, you know, around whatever time it was around 6 PM. So Katie and I could go out to Hillsborough and take this class. Um, and yeah, college students could do that, could offer to babysit for free. So a family can go and, and, and get licensed. Um, there, there's just so many different ways that people can get connected with this. Um, and that's an area that, that I know we certainly want to encourage people to, to think creatively. Um, and you're a good resource for that, right, Natalie? I mean, people just want to know, what do I do? Contact you and you can, you can give them some ideas. Yeah. I'd love to give you ideas. Yeah. And you were mentioning to me recently too, that some of the, uh, some of the, the state and county requirements are, are different as far as like, you don't necessarily need to be a licensed person also, right. To be able to like to provide respite care uh, or to just take a kid out for a few hours. Is that, is that correct? Yeah. So every County um, differs in the rules regarding um, who can watch kids who are in foster care. Um, by and large, um, most counties, if it's, um, just for a few hours during the day. Um, anyone that the parents trust um, can watch a kid in foster care for a few hours. Um, some counties um, will um, allow someone who is not the foster parents, who is not licensed, uh, to watch a kid overnight or maybe even for a few days every night, while other counties um, will ask that um, whoever's watching the child um, gets a background check, check run on them. And that's not a hard thing at all. Um, I don't believe you would even pay for that. I think the county pays for that. Oh, and, yeah. Um, and so, yeah, it's really not, you don't have to go through all these training or the 30 hours of math classes that Roddy was talking about just to watch a kid for a few hours or even for a few nights. Um, but that is, our respite care is a really, really big need for our families right now. Okay. Um, Families, you know, take on a lot um, because their kids have gone through a lot, and kids need a break, and parents need a break, and respite care is a really great way to provide that. Yeah, I was going to ask you that actually. What are what are some of the uh, the expressed needs from people in our congregation right now that someone could immediately say, "Yeah, I want to I want to tackle that issue." You need someone in Durham to. Um, pick a teen up from school each day. Um, we also need um, someone in Durham who can watch a teenager um, in cases that needs, is called into work at night, who can kind of be an emergency backup to watch that teen at night. Um, need a family who's um, willing to just watch a kid for a few hours, watch some 
uh, preteen and teen kids for a few hours in Chapel Hill every once in a while, um, or even if a family was willing to um, take some of those kids overnight so the parents and their biological kids could um, just kind of take a break so those parents can check in on their biological kids. Um, mm. I think, too, something that's often um, often forgotten is that biological siblings um, are often um, struggling as much as the parents are. And so they need a break too. I remember, uh, I think the, probably the best, most helpful piece of advice we were given when we started this process was that um, when you get into foster care and adoption, I think a lot of us, the tendency is to think, okay, I'm going to rescue a kid from their, from their suffering. Uh, But the reality is that you're entering their suffering with them. Right. The change of location doesn't all of a sudden solve and erase all the trauma that they've been through. Uh, but you're actually bringing that into your home. Um, and that's a, that's a significant thing. You know, we we have two biological children and uh, that was a big consideration for us is we, we don't know what we're bringing into our home. Um, not only now, but later down the road. But, you know, one thing, Natalie, that's really uh, stood out to me and um it's just how, how costly our adoption it was, you know, um, Jesus on the cross shedding his blood for us. It was painful. It was, it was messy. Uh, it was ugly. Uh, it was all of those things. And so I think we shouldn't be surprised when our own adoption stories um, kind of follow, follow suit, you know, uh, they're difficult moments. It's, it's challenging um, you know, you're wondering how the heck do I raise my own kids? And now how do I bring another child into my home? I don't know their story when they're acting this way. Is it because of previous trauma? Is it just their personality? Is it, you know, what is going on? And you just kind of enter this realm of, of the unknown and you're really just having to, to, again, to enter into their suffering with them and to help shepherd their, their hearts through that. Um, so that's one piece of advice I'd give to, to people who are considering doing this. You know, don't don't go in thinking you're just going to um, get a kid out of that situation and everything's going to be fine. You're, you're actually bringing their story into your family's story uh, and it's worth it, but it's but it's costly and it's and it's difficult. And I think, too, so much some of the really powerful testimonies I've heard are of um, biological, uh, the biological kids of families who have adopted or fostered. And for those kids, um, for some kids, their experience very well could be different. Um, but I know that we have young adults and kids at our church who are siblings to adopted and foster kids. And uh, for them, their parents entering in um, to their sibling suffering has been the best display of the gospel to them. Um, it's not it's not just parents that are entering into a child's suffering. Um, it's the whole family, but yeah. it's the whole family saying, Hey, this is what Jesus did for us. Amen. And we're going to do this too, because he's asked us to enter into one another's sufferings um, yeah. and to suffer alongside them. But I don't think that there's, there's no better way. I feel like for a family to show their kids what the gospel truly is than to be living it out in this way. You know, I remember uh, it was, Gosh, it must have been about seven years ago. So uh, Elijah, our middle son, he would have been six 
And uh, Katie and I took Gabe and Elijah out to the backyard, sitting on, on our trampoline and started talking to them about this, that we were thinking about, you know, maybe bringing a little boy into our home. And it was so sweet. Um, you know, I have an adopted sister. Uh, my mom was orphaned at age 10. So uh, adoption, foster care is, is part of our family story. And so we were reminding the boys of that and telling them what we were thinking and praying through. And Elijah, again, around six years old at the time, it was so sweet. He like immediately got up, ran inside the house and started clearing out his closet Mm -hmm. to make room for the little boy who was going to move in with us several months down the road, you know? So, so sweet. So that's another thing I'd encourage people to do too. Like, you know, your kids, whatever age they are, like bring them into this conversation. Um, It really needs to be a full family commitment. And and man, the Lord just really ministered to Katie and to me through our six-year-old's heart to say, you know what, I'm, I'm actually going to get rid of some of my stuff. Uh, this is a sacrifice that I can make uh, so I can open up some space for, for a little boy to come be a part of our family. Oh, this is really precious. That. Yeah. I think, I think that is a really good example of um, showing, you know, showing your kids that it is, it is something that they'll have to make sacrifices as well. Um, yeah. But also seeing your son's, um, willingness and almost, it seems like excitement to do that. All right. So you mentioned, um, reading some books, there are probably some podcasts out there. A lot of, a lot of resources, having conversations, um, here with people at the church, uh, you yourself are a resource and there are others here who, uh, have been working in the field for, for a long time. Um, maybe close, let's close our time out. Maybe just sharing like, again, just one very specific thing that you'd encourage like every, everybody listening to, to maybe say, okay, here, here's the next step for, for all of you. Um, what, what might something like that be? It really depends on where you're, where you're at and how, I guess, how you're wanting to um, answer the call to care for vulnerable children and their families. Um, I'd say if you are, um, a parent who has already fostered, who has already adopted or is fostering, um, or you um, are interested in fostering or adopting, my biggest recommendation would be to read The Connected Child by Karen Purvis and um, The Connected Parent by Karen, uh, by, um, I'm sorry, not by Karen Purvis. Um, the Connected Child is by Karen Purvis. The Connected Parent, I cannot remember the author, but it's the sequel to The Connected Child. Um, and I'm sure I can give Roddy those links and he can sure. link it uh, in the description. Um, if you are wanting um, to answer, you know, answer the call to care for the vulnerable, but you're not um, in a place or you're not being called by God right now to adopt or foster, um, I would say reach out to me um, and I would love to hear, hear your heart, hear where you um feel like the Lord might be asking you to step into. Um, and I can kind of give you some guidance and give you some options of um, how you can support families at our church. Um, so just a couple of closing thoughts, uh, friends, as, as you're watching this, you know, the early church was really known uh, for the love that she displayed for the vulnerable in the community. Um, this has been a hallmark of, of Christianity and it is part of our witness. Uh, not only as we uh worship God, but as we um, witness to his goodness and um, as we seek 
seek restoration um, in our in our communities, uh, caring for for the vulnerable. You know, James says that religion that is pure and pleasing to God is caring for widows and caring for orphans. Uh, this is one of the ways not only in which we please the Lord, but also that we demonstrate His love and goodness to the world. And so I just want to challenge us as a church uh, to pursue uh, growing in that and caring for, for the widows among us um, and also caring for, for kids. Um, you know, the number of children who are in foster care and who end up staying in foster care basically until they age out and, and the cycle that that creates uh, for them that they will likely have kids one day who will be in foster care. Uh, we have an opportunity to step in and to kind of interrupt that pattern and and to bring the gospel to bear on the lives of these children. Um, so I want to encourage you to to stop and to, to pray and just ask the Lord, how should I respond? How should my family uh, respond uh, to the need and to the opportunity um, that is out there? And uh, we will be praying along with you. And uh, Natalie, thanks for your for your time. Thanks for being a resource for us. It's so so great to have you and others uh, here at the church who have uh, experience in this and who can answer our questions. Um, and I know we'll be putting out more information in the newsletter and issues to come about future gatherings uh, where people can get connected. So. so yeah, thanks for thanks for your work and friends. Thanks for for watching. God bless you.